everybody and welcome to the EC Method. I am one of your coaches, Chloe Maidley. And I am your other coach, Emma Story Gordon. Our goal at the EC Method is to encourage, educate and empower you to get the results that you've always wanted. Listen to our weekly podcasts, go to our website, theecmethod.co.uk or simply follow us on Instagram to get more information. It's 11 a.m. here. Okay, let me get up the questions. Oh, excuse me. Oh, God, that's me talking. <laughs> and pause. Great. We're live, we're ready, we're primed. I've had a lot of coffee. Have you? What, <laughs> what the fuck was that? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Did you see that? Like, the, the majority of people listen on the podcast. I mean, Emma just did the most amazingly weird move. <laughs> um, did you see that girl on Instagram? Like, literally said that. Do you remember that rant we had about social media and influencers and stuff? And she was like, "The last eleven minutes of this podcast is amazing." Chloe, Chloe. <laughs> what? <laughs> that girl on Instagram is. Who? RVA. <laughs> what? She's a, she Kimberly. That's Kimberly. Oh, shut up. <laughs> I did not. I was messaging her back and everything, and I did not for one second connect the dots. Not for one second. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Classic me. It's amazing I didn't block her. <laughs> okay, let me get the hell out of where I am and find the questions. Um, this is taking far too long okay here we go they're actually starting to really get through them now as well well done us I know right <laughs> okay we're okay. only like one week behind now yeah oh great I don't know as soon as we get into the days mark the D <laughs> lol then I'm like oh we're nearly there okay might even happen today, Emma. Oh, let's do it. Emily, um, hi, Chloe and Emma. There are a lot of conversations about how your monthly cycle will affect your mood, performance, appetite, etc. But can you advise the impacts that will be had throughout the month if you are on hormonal contraception, please? I am 42 and I have the coil. I thought you were moving for Amelia. I was like, enter Amelia. Oh, no. <laughs> She's off the clock, leave her alone. <laughs> um, I'm 42, I have the coil and I don't see the changes that others are talking about. I don't have more than a bit of spotting every few months. Unfortunately, none of the uncomfortable elements. As I don't have a natural cycle, should I just worry about, not worry about those considerations as much? I think what she's saying is she doesn't seem to have any of the negative ramifications that come with having a natural cycle. Oh, shame. <laughs> oh dear. Um, because she's on hormonal contraception. And the answer is you if you don't have any of the symptoms that we're referring to, then you, this is not something that you need to pay attention to. Maybe something that's kind of in your kind of the back your back peripheral hearing or thought process you take into account because when you do eventually come off hormonal contraception I remember this vividly when I stopped the pill man alive are you like what the hell is this pain oh my god what is this depression that I'm going through and then it, it take it, it took me I swear to god the best part of a year for the penny to drop that this was PMS and that I this is what it was like so maybe retain a bit of the information for your future self but for now no disregard it, it doesn't apply to you um I agree, but I also think, like, it's not just people on hormonal contraception. Like, we always hear the louder voices, and the louder voices are the people that struggle. Mm. So it's easy to think, oh, everyone struggles, but there's actually loads of people who have, you know, quite mild periods, don't have huge hormonal fluctuations, or, or like, don't experience a lot of the side effects. And that, like, you don't, you certainly don't need to worry about the fact you don't experience the side effects. Like, that's great. Like, don't worry about it. 
there's no right or wrong with this. And you'll also find that some months might be worse than other months and that some contraception might um, impact certain people a certain way and impact other people another way. And like, I wouldn't, especially for this situation, I wouldn't look at like what you should quote unquote be feeling or what you shouldn't be feeling and focus on what you are feeling. Like, what are you feeling? What symptoms do you have? And how can we help you make amendments if you need to make amendments? And great, like, doesn't sound like you need to make amendments. So don't worry about it in the slightest. I think the only reason that we like to emphasize this and emphasize the impact it can have on things like body image, on mood, on your weight, on your motivation levels is because it really helps knowing when it feels very real at that time of the month that actually your life isn't shit. You aren't not making any progress. It's just that these hormones make you feel a certain way. And probably in a week, you will have a much brighter and more positive outlook on life. And like, that's what happens to me. And I've had like three or four days a month where I'm like, everything's shit and I hate everything. And then I'm like, oh, did this happen last month? Yeah, okay, actually, logically, everything isn't shit. But those feelings are still very real and reminding yeah. yourself that in three or four days, you won't feel like that is very reassuring. Aside from that, like you don't need to do anything. And if you're someone who struggles really badly, I would speak to your doctor because there are certain things that they might be able to do that can help. No, oh, preach. And I also, yeah, think for anyone who who's like thinking, aha, well, you know, let's say if I have an argument with my husband, right, for example, every now and again, I'm like completely flawed by it. I think we're going to, Emma knows this. <laughs> this happens to me. That's it. We're going to have to get divorced. What we get be like oh that's interesting I'm going to start to monitor that in terms of my cycle um and you really it, it things that even if you don't have any um kind of really acutely physical symptoms like the pain like the cramps or whatever um or even bloating or whatever you know it, it can especially if you don't especially if you don't have those really physical symptoms those um hormonal which is still physical but you know what i mean those hormonal fluctuations you might not be that aware of and they will have a huge impact on your mental well-being i know women who had to go on hormonal contraception because they could they were so depressed for one to two weeks out of the month they could not get out of bed and go to work and it doesn't need to be like that um so these are things that you should definitely monitor but i agree with them you were telling about hysterectomies and hysteria and where that oh. comes from well, well, <laughs> take a seat, my friend. I've got coffee breath. Oops, sorry. Um, so do don't I. you know that hysterectomies, hyster the term hysterical comes from hysterectomies in that it was, a, it was a word used to describe women who were basically over-emotional and psychotic, i.e. when they had PMS. And that's where hysterical women has come from. And when people, when women were hysterical, some of the treatments were things like hysterectomies. So like my Nana, who had severe depression, got a hysterectomy when she was like 32 because they thought that was part of the reason. Yeah, See, I just thought it was reflective of hysteria, but are you saying that hysteria? Oh my God, yeah. even just that sentence, all the pennies drop. See, right, oh, patriarchy. Yeah. Patriarchy. Yeah, Kerry's just commented, coined by a man. Yeah. Yes. Coined by a man. And like, Kerry's was like, <laughs> you actually think, like, how much worse would your depression be after a hysterectomy when you have, like, no estrogen? And we know that, like, that impacts your mental health massively and there's estrogen receptors in your brain and that one of the side effects of menopause is often depression or ex at least extremely low mood. Surely that would just exacerbate the problem. Mm. Oh, but my mum didn't get out of bed for a full year. Like that was on, but they were doing this morning at the time and they had to get another female presenter in for a full year because it was, it fucking, not only, you know, in terms of her hormones and her, her mental state, but physically, I mean, it's a full on, I mean, she, I don't know what happened, but it all went a bit wrong. Did they, like, this just trivialized it up, but did they actually say like, Judy's taking time or did they just because I vividly remember this I don't know why it always stays in my memory but I found it so hilarious that I used to watch Hollyoaks right after years and years ago and one time they just like replaced one of the characters didn't say anything they're just like oh yeah it's still Judy that they just put someone in a wig and like oh Judy looks a little bit different like no no that's her 
don't know what they said. You know, I've never asked. So I reckon knowing my family, you know, because I'm no different. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I reckon they were really upfront about it, knowing them. And they were just like, look, she's not well. But it was, I remember it vividly being essentially a year that I didn't see my mom, even though we were living in the same house. I mean, it was a huge thing. And I, I do, I don't mean to scare anyone. I think it went a bit wrong for her and I don't think that's the norm, but it just goes to show, yeah, it was a fucking shit show hormonally. She had a hysterectomy. She should have had it a lot earlier than she did. And she didn't, which could have been part of the problem. Well, then like- she had it. That part of that you literally go through menopause overnight when you have a hysterectomy instead of like a slow a slowish decline in estrogen levels it's just like bam yeah and it, 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 I, it's, yeah so there you go so you know i mean it's yeah it's uh i mean i'm 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 not i mean i don't know why i'm surprised no. at that it's cute, right? it is well, okay thanks for that goodbye I'm gonna do a Richard Maisley when when we watched him on this morning. He was just like, "Okay, thank you. That's quite enough." Amelia's gonna go now. Amelia, Amelia's gonna go and um, continue to offer. Oh, oh, the internet connection is just failing. Oh, he's like no patience, my dad, and like his parents, all of his. All of his like people in his family features, and we've frozen. We've frozen. Like I can. No, hear- I I've got you. I've oh, got okay. you. I've got you. Right. Okay. Are we good? Did you freeze? I feel like we're not good. Okay, we're good. Are we good? Are we good? Yeah. No. Ooh. Okay, I can see you now. <laughs> I can see you. Can you see me? Oh, it's just very slow. It's like a very slow thumbs up. <laughs> Chloe just looks like she's in slow motion. Hmm. Hello? Hello? Is anybody there? Um, I can't see Chloe anymore, which... Oh, okay, you're back. Slash, I'm back. And now I can't hear you. Are you on mute? I was frozen. Yeah. Okay, I can hear you now. You keep freezing. Oh, it's not good. I think I think we're back. Hopefully in Cancun, you will progress. I know, hopefully. Weird, because it's kind of been okay. Kind of been okay. We've definitely had it worse. Do you remember in the in the first lockdown how bad it was? Yeah, that was weird. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't given that everybody in the world was streaming. Okay, right, let me get back to the thing. Hang on. Okay, we've got them on the line as well. Should I fire through them? Yeah. Okay, hello, girls. What are your thoughts on cable machine exercises for glutes, abductions, and kickbacks? Are they effective? Thanks. Yeah, if you do them right. And it's not easy to do that kind of work on the cables, I don't think. Um both from my PT days and also anecdotally for myself, it takes a minute to get it right. But yes, absolutely. Cables, regardless of what you're doing, are fantastic because you really have to keep the control um, throughout the entirety of the movement. So yeah, they are great, but it's tricky with form. You want to make sure your form's right. Emma? Yeah, I agree. It's quite hard to get the cable exactly the right place. I like that you keep tension throughout the movement normally with a cable. Um, but I would say that for glute exercises, like the big dominant exercise is still going to be better. So things like deadlifts, things like squats, things like lunges. And then like, if you want to add on like a little bit of extra, fine, do some kickbacks. Yeah, agreed. 
Okay. Um, Polly's just saying that she's confused because it's Wednesday, but uh, we've had to move the live this week, so that's why it's Wednesday. And she says that she's still happy to have stumbled, stumbled across a live. Hi, ladies. Hi. Oh. Hi, Polly. Love you, Polly. How many rounds has Polly been here now? Don't know. She's, a, she's an OG. She's an OG. Um, okay, is that it for the live? Yeah. Okay. Rebecca Joseph, is it true that you lose weight from your top to your bottom? Emma? <laughs> no. No, but saying that, a lot of women do tend to lose weight. I mean, not directly in that way. It's not like you're like, oh, I'm going to lose weight from my face and then slowly my shoulders and then my boobs and then down. But generally as women, we tend to be slightly more pear-shaped, which means we store more body fat around our hips and our bums. So it can kind of feel like most women will get leaner up top before they get like lean likes, for example. So yeah, in a way, but no, not really. So that so she then goes on to say, or is it just that we have more to lose around our bottom and hip area, so it will take longer? Yes. I'm going to take my measurements halfway through, see if there's a balance lost throughout. I'm looking at this as an experiment as I've never followed anything so, so precisely. So far, I've met my non-negotiables every day. I've not lost much weight, though, but I'm feeling great. Okay. Well, I mean, I think you're, I think, well, you know what? We'll just wait for you to do a little update. Um, okay, Emily, following on from my hormone question, as I'm 42, if I keep my coil in, how will I know if my hormones start to drop off when I hit perimenopausal years? Will the hormones from the coil reduce or remove that issue as it produces its own hormones? Many thanks. What an interesting question. I think we've ever had that question before. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely one for a doctor and you're right in that the coil will replace some of the hormones. Um, it won't replace estrogen. It's normally a progesterone producer. Um, but again, like, def like definitely speak to a doctor about this. If you are on contraception, you might not notice menopausal symptoms as early you keep dropping out yeah this isn't going to work well is it um i'm trying to think if we can reschedule it let's maybe if we drop out again let's cut it okay fine i maybe just don't put it out as a podcast <laughs> yeah um okay so read that question very good question obviously speak to a doctor uh, i don't know when i cut out but essentially yes you can't like being on contraception can mask some of the um changes that you might see during menopause um and often one of the first treatments for people going through menopause is to go on contraception to sort of alleviate some of those symptoms so again this is something to discuss with your doctor but it's the drop in estrogen that tends to cause most of the problems and your coil won't be producing estrogen it will be producing progestins which um, are very similar to progesterone or the reaction in the body is very similar so no, I, it's not something that I would worry about but this is something to discuss with your doctor if you're worried that you are going through the menopause mm. yeah I 100% agree with everything Emma said it's not really one for us to answer instinct would tell me that you would probably know about it in some way shape or form um, but Emma's completely right. One of the ways that they would that they would, might start to tackle things like that is with hormonal contraception. I mean, really, it's anyone. You would have to speak to your provider. Um, but it's a fucking interesting question. And we've never had that before. Um, okay, Andrea. Oh, actually, do we have anything on the live first? Yes, we do. Hold on. Okay. Hi, Clemmer. Would love to get your thoughts on today's quote-unquote news about Victoria Beckham eating the same meal of fish and veg for 25 years. Is this actually healthy in terms of balanced diet and relationship with food? I know for some people food equals fuel, and so I guess it's a balance of, if it's balanced nutrition, then fair play, but it seems brutally extreme to me. Uh, okay it's really not fair to speculate on whether or not somebody has an eating disorder because they eat the same meal every day, whether it's a really healthy meal like fish and vegetables or whether it's a 
you know, less quote unquote healthy meal, like a Domino's pizza. It's like, it's, does this, does this person love this meal? Is this part of their daily staple of eating? Are they used to it? Are they into it? Do they still enjoy it? If you're very health conscious, I would venture, I mean, I would take a, a very kind of confident stab in the dark that 99.9% .9 of very health conscious people in the world are having a meal of fish and vegetables every day. Um, it, it's part, you know, it is, we, Emma and I always say like the Mediterranean diet is a pescatarian is probably the healthiest diet in the world. Um, so I can guarantee you she's not alone. It's obviously a very nutritionally healthy meal to have. And if she enjoys it and she's having a meal a day that she really enjoys, it's absolutely nothing wrong with it at all. I think that the, the problem with that is that when somebody who is known for being, I, I don't want anyone thinking that that's what they have to do just because she does it. But then I don't blame her for somebody asking her a question, her answering it. And I, all I can guess is that it's somewhere in the tabloids and you've read it. Um, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't like to judge someone based on the fact that they have a meal of fish and veg every day, like whatever. Yeah, on, on paper, like the fact that she eats one of her meals the same every day, fine. If she feels like she can't possibly eat anything else and that if she missed that meal, then, you know, her whole world would crumble and it would cause her a hell of a lot of like guilt and shame and like she feels over restricted doing that, then yeah, that might be a problem. But again, like I think there's, I mean, there's so many problems with this, right? One, we shouldn't just be following what random celebrities do. Two, like it's probably taken out of context. Three, in the context of her whole diet, it might be absolutely fine. Like, yeah, I, I think it's very hard to, to judge these things. Um, I definitely wouldn't recommend that everybody does it. But equally, like for periods of time, although these meals will tend to change, but like since I've been in Mexico, I've had basically the same salad every day for lunch. Like that I don't know like I think you can look at this in numerous ways like to some people that might feel massively restrictive and to other people they're like oh that's just how I like to eat and actually maybe she's like yeah do you know what at lunchtime I have fish and veg every day because I'm busy I know what it's, it's gonna get me in enough protein it gets me variety from my veg I like the taste of it and then in the evening I have a family that I like to eat with and that saves me a bit more calories for the evening like that's a fine approach it just it depends on your mindset around the things it's not usually the behaviors in themselves that are the problem it's your thought process around those behaviors that is more of the issue and anything in isolation like probably like you can't really say whether that's like inherently healthy or inherently unhealthy yeah i think i agree with emma i have like the same cycle of most when i'm at home I eat the same cycle of meals every day. There's like two or three breakfasts I choose from. Actually, you know what? I'm a bit more varied when I am in a fat loss phase because it's, you know, you, you really try and find your food enjoyment as much as you can. But pretty much like, like now, I haven't been in a fat loss phase for ages. I eat the same meals at home all the time. Um, but, and, and then when I go out, typically it's when I'm like, oh, I'm going to get the bacon mac and cheese. <laughs> like and that's and I and I think actually if you are one if you are a less healthy individual people still have their favorite meals that they tend to eat if not once a day every you know every few days but staples of their diet I think it's really judgmental to be honest not you at all but obviously you know we know what I mean we all know what the press like to do to be like oh she must have a problem because fish and veg is really healthy and if she's eating that every day well then fuck she's got a problem but Emma's right. We're not inside her head. Is she terrified to not eat fish and veg? That's obviously a problem. Does she just eat it because she likes it and it fits her diet? Why is that a problem? Um, Would we be I, saying the same if it was like Victoria Beckham goes and gets a meal deal from Tesco every single day and usually chooses exactly. the same sandwich? We'd be like, exactly. who cares? Exactly. And I had, there is one girl who is, oh my God, just a fucking knockout in every respect. And she's a UK celebrity. And... I've met her a couple times and we've chatted a couple times and she struggles with quite an all or nothing approach to diet. Not that I think that anyone would necessarily notice because she's so ridiculously perfect that I think everyone would just assume that she's always in terms of her a healthy food approach, perfect. She's not, she really struggles. And recently she's gotten in phenomenal shape, not like the kind of shape that Emma and I are like, wow, that, but like she looks, she looks fantastic. She's quite clearly lost lost some body fat and she has a lovely body 
And I know that she's been dieting to get there because she did a photo shoot and that was kind of her mecca to get there. And then she did an interview and she said that all she eats every day is, you know, sandwiches and custard creams and she loves fast food. And I was like, and the reason she's doing it, the reason she's lying, basically, let's just call a spade a spade, is because it's going to go down really well with the British public. People all over the UK are going to be like salt of the earth, northern girl, loves her mucky food, good lass. And it's bullshit. It's fucking bullshit. And I don't blame her for lying because the second that she turns around and says, actually, I was on 1500 calories a day for three months and this is what I ate and this is how often I went to the gym. People will be like, oh, you're so unrelatable and crap. And actually, I think like we need to check ourselves when we read news stories about women and their bodies and what they eat with how we perceive that and how we judge that. because It's just not fair because you just don't know. Do, do you think there's an element as well of like what you want to hear? Like you want to hear that she's in incredible shape and eats pies every day. Exactly. But anyone with any ounce of knowledge will be like, that's that can't be happening. Like from an energy balance point of view, either she eats pies every day, but then eats nothing else and a cucumber for dinner or she's not eating pies every day and like kind of like like how Chloe approaches things right most of the time your diet's probably quite like almost like bro standard like getting in bed and then when someone meets you for a meal they might be like oh it's amazing that Chloe stays in shape because she's always eating well always because when I meet her for a meal she has mac and cheese and it's like yeah because 90% of her diet is at home, like eating good, healthy, nutritious foods. And anytime you see something like in the media that will say like, oh, so-and-so got lean just doing this, like it still comes back to energy balance. So you know that either they're expending a shit ton of energy and that's why they can eat three pies a day. They don't eat three pies a day and they're lying or they do eat like a pie, but they don't eat anything else for the rest of the day. Like there's no getting away from energy balance. And as soon as you kind of, have a cast a bit of more of like a critical eye on things you can see like where things don't add up and you're right like I get why people lie about it or like don't or kind of like withhold the truth a little bit and sometimes I like it because it pushes back the kind of diet culture narrative because you can have balance right but it still comes back to balance and probably if you know if you're in shape doing like the quote-unquote right things 90 odd percent of the time and then yeah then that does mean that you can go out and eat mac and cheese every now and again but it's not something that you're doing every single day yeah I think ultimately the takeaway to the whole and I think this is actually a fucking really interesting topic and I love the question but I think for me the takeaway from the whole thing is like you have no idea if somebody's got a good or bad relationship with food you'd be shocked and Emma and I've spoken about this before how many girls we know on social media are the poster girls for having a fantastic relationship with food in their body, fucking lying through their teeth. And we know, we know for a fact. So you just- Yeah, because they come and ask to work with us behind the scenes because they want to diet, but they feel so guilty about dieting that they don't want to say it to anyone that they're dieting. Then we see them on social media being like, I'm so comfortable in my larger body. Oh yeah. Not comfortable in your larger body. And it, and it works both ways. You know, you, you could look at someone, you know, who's like, I have fish and vegetables every day who has a fucking great relationship with food in their body. But you read that and you think, oh, you must have a problem. And I honestly do think it's how we've been conditioned via diet culture and now anti-diet culture to put these women in these boxes. And you know what, guys? Let's just fucking call a spade a spade. We all have days, weeks, months where we're uncomfortable on our own skin. And we all have days, weeks, months where we feel great. And sometimes it's reflective of what we're doing in terms of our lifestyle. And sometimes it's not. And that applies to all women, whether they're celebrities or not. And also just that, I think that element of forgiveness to female celebrities who have more pressure than your average woman. You fucking put that pressure times 10 million on their shoulders. That of course, there's a, there is, you know, first of all, don't buy into every edited pick, but of course they're editing their picks. Of course they're lying about their diet because they're feeling the pressure that you're feeling times a million. I think we're only going to get somewhere when we have a little bit of forgiveness and understanding that, you know, sometimes it's pretty hard and sometimes it's, it's great, you know, and that's just being a human. <laughs> and it's because we see it through our own lenses and our own perspectives, right? Like you might be reading, oh, Victoria Beckham eats fish and veg every day and you're like if I ate fish and veg every day I'd hate my life and I'd hate fish and veg and I don't like it and it'd be over restricted it's like yeah but you're not her like you're not in her body you don't live her life you don't have all the things that she's got going on so yeah you talk about this a lot actually Emma Emma said stuff like this before she's like I would love to be like you know this is 
like I'm in great shape right now like here's a photo of my butt. like here's why I'm in great shape this is kind of what I eat typically this is what I do typically but you're like oh I don't want it to be unrelatable you don't want women to feel isolated and it works the other way too like say if you work in our industry and you're not in the best shape at the moment you don't want to be like hey guys the like I'm, I'm not feeling my best right now actually haven't been able to adhere to my diet for a couple of weeks because then people are like well I don't want to come to you and you just it's a lot like it's a lot of pressure and we all put it on ourselves and we all put it on each other and I just think we just need to ease up and accept that we're all fucking human yeah I I think like I definitely underplay hard work but I think it's because I see hard work as like it's a perspective like it might seem like what I do is hard work to some people but like to me it often doesn't feel like hard work because it's a byproduct of how I like to live my life and that would be very different for other people and they don't have the same like freedoms that I do potentially or lifestyle that I do or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. Right. I had this like, with, the next um, question because I really need a win. <laughs> you wait fine. Oh look, it's so lean. It's such a little lean. Okay. Um, actually, you know what? Should I no, it's just gonna take me ages to go back between the two. I'll let Emma do the live quizzes and I'll do these ones. Okay, I'll wait for Emma to come back because that's about a back injury. I'm okay that's about the gym workouts (laughs) okay here we go hi Clemma I've struggled for a really long time with sleep it is very difficult for me to get to sleep and to stay asleep when this lack of sleep meets a tough or stressful week at work I find that as soon as I sit down on a Sunday afternoon or in the evening I jump into a bucket and inhale chocolate which leads to awful feelings I know a big part of the answer is better and more sleep which I'm always working on but do you have any advice for fighting comfort eating? And I have to go get the door in a sec, so you're going to have to answer this. Do you have, um, do you have any advice for uh, comfort eating when in a, weekend, in a weakened state, she's not getting enough sleep um, and she can't help it. She finds it tough to go to sleep, tough to stay asleep. Um, for the context, I am trying to nail maintenance, build muscle. Thank you so, so much for the EC method. I'm a returner having spent some time dealing with HA. The doctor said it was likely caused by stress and unintended weight drop post COVID. All the things I learned about actions aligning with values have really helped my recovery more than anything. Right, go. Hi, sorry guys. I couldn't even concentrate and needed to wee so badly. Anyway, I resonate with this question in like a very low level way because I've struggled with sleep since I got to Mexico for some reason. But what I would say is you need to concentrate on what you can do, not what you can't. If you physically can't get any sleep, like we know how much sleep impacts. And the reason that I like to talk about how much sleep impacts isn't to make people feel worse. Because I think sometimes this can work the opposite way when we're like, do you know what? Sleep can really impact your hunger. Sleep can really impact your mood. Sleep can make it way harder to lose body fat because then you're more hungry and then you might move less and blah, blah, blah. And you can feel like, that's a reason it won't work for me or like that's a, like turns into a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy the reason that we talk about it is to make you understand the impact that it can have not to make you feel even worse about the fact that you're struggling with sleep so just understanding that again it doesn't like defy the laws of energy balance like lack of sleep won't inherently make you put on body fat it's your behaviors that are related to the lack of sleep like for example like I said I didn't sleep for or I've not been sleeping particularly well. And I've noticed that motivation levels are like zero. Um, hunger levels are increased. Like it's mainly for me, it's mainly been the motivation, but what you can do about that, I guess like it's nothing different. It's the basic stuff. Like what would you normally do about hunger? Make sure you're eating enough protein, make sure you're having decent satiating meals, make sure that you're filling them with veg and high volume foods, make sure that you're trying to rest when you can and that you've tried all the things for sleep that you can try. Um, Maybe that you've kind of like worked on like identifying what the problem is there. Like, why are you struggling to get sleep? Why are you struggling to stay asleep? Is it anxiety related? Is it, you know, have you tried all the basics like the temperature of your room, like winding down before bed? Like what, what are the triggers for you? And if you do have a good night's sleep, like what happened then? Like what, what was the outcome then could could it be things like you're training late at night like you're having 
coffee in the evening or I think often the exercise thing that can work both ways I've had clients who are like I moved my exercise to later in the day and actually made me tireder after and I slept better and others who are like it kind of wakes me up and then I can't like I'm much more like it kind of wakes me up like I I can just go to sleep after a training session um but yeah like trying a couple of things making sure that you journal on it making sure that you're kind of tracking your sleep what nights were good what nights were bad if there's anything that you can do about that that seems to help or seems to hinder when you're eating before bed as well and again that seems to work both ways for different individuals it could be that having a slightly definitely alcohol but like having a slightly higher carb meal snack like before bed sometimes sends some people to sleep sometimes people are like oh no I just feel like a bit like I'm in like I can't eat before bed because I feel like indigestion kind of like keeps me awake more than anything some people are the other way but again it's just kind of figuring out if there are little tweaks that we can make that can improve your sleep but from like a diet and exercise point of view it's not really anything that you need to change it's just the usuals that we would um put in place around hunger signals or like struggling with hunger yeah yeah I mean I we, we answer this every round so I'm I don't have anything to add I'm sure I'm another or sorry that we're being <laughs> sorry I'm like I need a week so it's like I'm gonna get the door I'm like, I might just make my breakfast seeing as we're here I had to it was a man with James's car keys and if I didn't get it I there would be <laughs> there would be a conversation I'll ask you this after the live as well but like what happened about your car yeah, no, I got stolen. <laughs> yeah, but then what? Like, it's just gone. No, yeah, no one knows. Sorry, it's gone. It's just gone. The police were, I think my dad wrote a, a, an article about it for his column this week. The police, I literally, between the time I hung up the phone and I got their e- the email from them, less than an hour had passed. And they were like, hi, we have no leads for closing the case. Not that I was like thinking they were going to fight. I mean, as soon as I, so we have like a car guy who like comes and it checks, like whatever. And as soon as I told him, he was like, oh, it's gone. It's just completely gone. Like, you'll never, it's done. Like, it's just gone. Um, so I kind of knew that it wouldn't happen, but I was shocked at how, I mean, just inept the police are. And I don't know why. I mean, I won't even tell you about what happened to me the other day, but I'm not best pleased with the with the Met lately. <laughs> right, okay, Liz. I hurt my back today doing squats. I don't think it was form. I think it, I just went too heavy too fast, having not squatted since the end of December. When I'm back to being pain-free, are there any specific exercises I can do to strengthen my lower back? Um, first, get some physio, get some treatment, and they will give you some exercises to do because they will have assessed you and programmed for you, which is much better than anything Emma and I can do. In terms of um, training your lower back, um, hyperextensions are a really good one to do. Your physio might give you them unweighted. Um, typically any any core which is all back and front abdominals and everything in that area honestly if you have a if you tend to have a niggly back and a weak core pilates with a good pilates instructor can be life-changing and i don't speak from experience i speak from many friends and family members who are like oh i would never waste my time on pilates but (laughs) i just would i just don't need to but people i know who've had issues with their back since childhood are like, just changed my life. So that would be something I'd recommend. Yeah, I agree. Pilates or a really good yoga teacher, like either or um, things like uh, Superman exercise or bird dog exercises, any kind of core stuff, anti-rotation stuff like wood chops or pile off press or holding the plank, that kind of stuff really strengthens your core as a whole. Yeah, plank's great exercise. Okay, we're up to date on the live. Right. Okay. Oh, okay. So here we go. Wait, hang on. I went past someone that had one that I thought would be perfect for you. Okay, here we go. Um, hi, Emma. I'm on my third week of the gym workouts, and there has been a massive difference to my mindset. I'm now working harder to achieve my body goals. However, After listening to your lives, I'm feeling that I actually need more help with my eating and diet. I'm on 1,600 calories. Oh, it wasn't even about the gym. (laughs) It's like, wait for Emma. Um, I'm on 1,600 calories. I'm reaching uh, my own target of 120 grams of protein and over 30 grams of fat every day. However, I'm not sure that what I'm eating is the right kinds of stuff, i.e. bread and carbs, etc. 
Am I missing a trick or can you point me in the right direction, please? I've also cut wine down from seven days a week to two days a week, which is a miracle for me. Thank you. Um, no, you're, you sound like you're absolutely nailing it and these are just old dieting habits dying hard. You, if you're nailing calories, you're nailing your protein, you're nailing fat minimums, you're getting in fruit and veg every day, you can make up all the rest of your calories from bread if you want. It's not about carbs or fats, whether you're talking about you know, a type of cardio or you're talking about dietary intake. It's about your net energy balance at the end of the day, week, month. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, we love a bit of bread. I eat bread every day, every morning I have bread. I have either a slice of toast or I have two slices of toast with scrambled eggs. I mean, no one needs to know my diet, but <laughs> I'm all about bread. Yeah, bread's great. Emma I'm loves, Emma just loves your know, dry place. Just bread in any form. What's the bread in Mexico like? I don't like American bread. Um, well, we're not sure. So we got like this bread that looks very much like British bread, but most of the bread here seems to be called bimbo. And I think it's um, like sweet bread. Yeah. Which it's is because all of the pastry looks like it's going to be really nice, like a croissant or something. And then it's like bread. Like it literally just tastes like bread. Sometimes we'll get pastry and it's just, this is just bread with like, a little bit of sugar sprinkled on top. Well, yeah, like Mexico, Mexicans, like actually like Italians, actually, they're known for like basic street food, which is like, in my opinion, the best food. But like, that doesn't, it doesn't surprise me. But also in America, like the bread's either sourdough or sweet. Like it's one or the other. There's no like, I don't know. It's, I don't even know what the other kind of bread is. Oh, it's Hovis. There's no Hovis. <laughs> Okay, Andrea. Hi, lovelies. This question is on behalf of future injury-free me. I've rediscovered my love of swimming while I'm injured. Proper front crawling, not just bopping around in the pool breaststroke. I think that was my quote. <laughs> I always feel bad because I'm always like, my grandma, God rest her soul, bopped around, did a hundred, like hundred lengths, but literally just floated up and down. <laughs> what a Oh, I can't wait to be old and annoy everyone at the gym. <laughs> I'm going to make it my mission to go in and piss everyone off every day. Actually, Amelia and I were saying that yesterday. We were like, the next generation, like I think our generation and going forward, that like we'll still be going to the gym. Whereas yeah. the previous generation now, it's like there's there's more older people going to the gym now, but like there's going to be inundated. I'm going to be mega annoying. Like, how many sets have we got left? Oh, Ten. Oh, no, we're gonna, no, German no. volume training now. <laughs> I'm about to say something which is a little bit self-sexist, but fuck it, I'm going to say it anyway, because in my experience, it's true. We all know that as older people get older, they get a little bit more preachy, grumpy, annoying, right? Like, it's just like part of the course. Maybe it's just our culture, but it happens. I swear to God, like, older women in particular, like my feet, like my grandmothers, went, like... <laughs> pretty hard <laughs> pretty extreme and I can't wait till that's me and I'm just gonna go <laughs> and start form correcting teenagers Emma the one thing I wanted to tell you I don't know why I wanted to tell you this but I saw it today and I was like I'm gonna tell Emma on the EC method there's this guy who's just joined my gym he's like so fit he looks like um Bradley Cooper but he's covered neck to toe in tattoos and he rides a motorbike and I was like he's so fit Amelia would love him <laughs> Amelia's literally just here leaving and, and it's like oh. <laughs> I saw him I was like you are exactly her type um okay All right, let's go back anyway back to the swimming question <laughs> um now I'm thinking of how best to fit in the swimming with all my other exercises. Once I'm back fit, I would love to do three weight sessions a week, two swims and two climbing sessions a week. Yeah. So seven to eight sessions a week. It's just two to three climbing sessions a week. So seven to eight sessions a week, three different modalities of training. I'm thinking one full rest day a week and then two more days with two more sessions one in the morning one in the evening i'm not sure what sessions to do on the same day swimming and weights maybe or swimming and climbing what do you wise ladies think yes this is a hypothetical future me 
And I know this is a lot of training per week, but training brings me so much joy and I really don't want to reduce this number of sessions. Also planning my future workout splits is actually keeping me sane throughout COVID and my injury. Okay, I hear what you're saying. Um, you say here two, three weight sessions a week, two swims a week and two to three climbing sessions. Now, if I were you, I would do the two climbing sessions. So you've got three weight sessions, two swims and two climbing sessions. That way you can train every day. And I'm not worried about recovery with a swimming session. Even if you are doing a proper front crawl, it's cardio, it's a completely different adaptation to training. Um, and it's also, there's no um, gravity, there's nothing. Yeah, sorry, I'm just, I just wanna make sure that your volume's on. Um, there's nothing, there's, there's no um, external pressure on your body. So I would say you can train every day and you can do one thing a day. I think only do two sessions a day if you have to. And yes, I agree with your idea of doing a weight and then a swim. You don't need to break it up to morning and evening. I reckon you could do a weight, get changed and go for a swim and you'll save time in terms of a commute to and from the gym. And that would be absolutely fine. But I, I think the former is a better idea. Emma. Yeah, I agree. I think swimming is quite amazing because there is no impact so that you don't need as much um, time to recover and the injury risk is much lower. And yeah, if you're really happy doing that, then absolutely. And it sounds like you are like, normally it's a bit of a red flag when someone's like, I want to train every single day and I want to do this many sessions. And we're like, yeah, maybe like maybe it's a bit compulsive, but actually with that really nice, variety of different things and I think that as long as you're fueling yourself properly you'll be able to recover from that and you know if we need to change anything we can change anything mm -hmm. okay um Elizabeth Burns hi ladies my first post I have injured my thigh doing lunges so I am avoiding lunges also burpees are a struggle as I have knee problems are there any alternatives I can do to these exercises so any sport variation will replace a lunge um so you know squats or just i it's just i don't know if, if it's then gonna still hit the thigh so Did you say knee, it's a knee problem two things she says she can't do lunges because of her thigh and she oh. can't do burpees because of her knee yeah so i mean we get a lot of questions like this and it's kind of like what what can you do lower body so for example like for a very long time all I did lower body was static lunges, leg extensions, leg curls, because that was the things that didn't hurt my back. You just have to work around what you can do. Like if it's causing you pain, do something else. There's not a perfect alternative to any of these things. It's what's not causing you pain. And it's very hard for us to say what's not causing you pain, but can you maintain the muscle mass in your lower body, which as you age is really, really important especially through injury by doing things like leg extensions. Yeah. And could you do more? Like, I know that a lot of people are like, yeah, but they're already in the program. Okay, fine. Do more of them. Like if that's the only thing lower body that you can do, do some more of them. Like it doesn't matter that they're already programmed in on a different day, or maybe instead of three sets, you do five sets because you're not going to be able to do lunges. Like you just have to work around what you can do. Yeah, no, nothing to add. Um, yeah. Also, I'm not very good at push-ups on the floor. I'm trying to build up my strength by doing them standing up. Is this good, bad, or ugly? Sure. Um, I think if, if you have to build on them because you can't do them lying horizontally, then you have to build on them because you can't do them horizontally. So the answer to that is to do them standing up. That's absolutely fine. Warm a man just walked into the apartment. This happened oh, every time here. <laughs> it's just this random man was like... I was like, <laughs> why? This is why we're leaving. But also, you could only lock the door from the inside, and Amelia just left. At yeah, well, she can't because you can only lock it from the very, it's very annoying. I forgot you had a tattoo. We both have a tattoo in the same place. Um, yeah, that would, that, yeah, I'm not okay with that. No, me neither. <laughs> Any way, shape, or form. Make sure you lock that door, like, is a, like proper priority okay anything else on the live we're good on the live should we do one more yeah you know this rash that i had keeps coming back and it's spreading all over my body and i just have no idea what it is the fungus boob, huh? the fungus boob rash 
Yeah. Oh, like, nice. It's honestly so bad. Anyway, go on. You, you've got the questions, babe. Oh, I thought there was one on the live you wanted oh, to no. ask. No. Okay. Great anyway. look, babe. It smells oh. so good. It's still wet. Okay. Good morning, Clemma. Any help with my constant bloating? It's really getting me down. And every morning I still, I wake up still feeling extremely bloated. Is this something I'm eating or the time that I'm eating? Any advice or guidance would be great. I'm so glad that we have you guys for reassurance and support. So obviously everybody gets bloating from time to time and there's no way to just guarantee it'll never happen because you won't. Um, however, what I would say is I would start, you have, we say this every time, as soon as you start tracking, you have a day-to-day -day food diary right in front of you. It's like perfect for the, for kind of an elimination diet so I would say get up I would say maybe why don't you try to do like a little bit of a fast from evening to morning um and then I would say wake up and start monitoring your food intake throughout the day what are you eating that you know half an hour prior 45 minutes prior an hour or two prior is then bloating you um it tends to be um, just anecdotally from our experience, um, any kind of um, lactose products that can include whey, any protein powders and things like that, um, any other kind of dairy, or it tends to be specific vegetables. Some people in my coaching experience, a lot of people suffer with cruciferous vegetables like broccoli, cauliflower, cabbages that includes things like kale, Brussels sprouts. Um, <laughs> They can, I think there's, I don't know what it's called. There's a compound in them, which can really flare up that kind of thing. Um, or there are some people who actually, it's their more acidic vegetables, like your tomatoes and your onions, which I know for me make me so gassy. Um, so, uh, and I would say start to start to try and really keep an eye on what you're eating and then monitor your body in the next kind of how immediately after to two hours, you should start to get an idea of what it might be. Um, it could also be that you've gone too hard too soon with something. That could be anything from fiber intake. Um, it could be protein, a massive increase in protein very quickly. Same with water. Um, so anything, look back and think, is there anything I've really gone hell for leather with in the last you know, two weeks that I, I wasn't really doing before? Typically, that'll be the culprit. Yeah, I, I would agree. Just add add on to like you're already tracking like a bit of a bloating diary and like it thing is not like as Chloe's saying like normal bloating is inevitable and kind of fine like I wouldn't overstress about it if it's causing you pain then yes start keeping a diary of like when that's happening and when that's happening in relation to certain food or when you're eating or when you're eating in relation to exercise you can also look up FODMAP foods and just because sometimes those are foods that people respond to in certain ways so you could see like when you're eating those kind of foods you maybe see if that's related to how you're feeling maybe take some of those out and see if it improves um the next step would be probably well would be going to see your doctor but they would probably say some kind of elimination diet which is a really really hard diet to stick to so the FODMAP diet will take out FODMAP uh high FODMAP foods and then it will reintroduce these one at a time um, something that you should do under the guidance of a nutritionist or a dietitian, um, which hopefully you would get support with if, if you feel the bloating is bad enough to go to your GP. But first of all, I would do this and start keeping a bit of diary because it's exactly what they're going to ask for anyway. Yeah. So you're kind of saving time rather than going to a GP and they say, why don't you start keeping a diary? You can go and say, I've kept a diary. I can't identify what it is. Can you now help me? Like, could I be referred to a dietitian who might be able to help me identify if there's a certain food that I'm responding badly to. Yeah, I agree. Nothing to add. I do want to just do one last question because it's from Molly. And I feel like I haven't really heard from Molly this round. Okay, and I, yeah. And I love Molly. Like, don't know what it is. Got a, real Got a real thing about Molly. Okay. Molly Kerr says, life challenges have been flying at me recently i have a full-on desk job i'm really struggling to get my step count up i'm averaging at 8.5k per day but more daylight is helping monday to friday what does that mean oh well doesn't matter i'm doing three longer okay i'm doing three workouts a week 
I found maintenance at 1800 and I'm averaging at 105 grams of protein. Can I or should I drop my calories? And if so, by how much? I have a lot to lose. I'm five foot seven and 102 kgs. Okay, so if you're finding that your maintenance is at 1800 calories on three workouts a week and eight to 9,000 steps a day, and that's where you're maintaining your weight, you know, solidly for three weeks of the month, then yeah, let's bring you down to 1600. Um, the, the, the alternative to that would be get your steps up after your three workouts a week by doing 20 to 30 minutes of, of kind of incline walking on a treadmill or, you know, going for a little, you know, 20 minute walk outside, however you're training Molly. Um, so those are your options. You can either increase your expenditure or you can decrease your intake. If you're saying the latter will be easier for you, then go for it. The reason why I'm even hesitant is because at 102 kgs and your expenditure is, it is moderate, but it's not low. Um, it's because I don't think you really need to drop your calories. I would like to know how consistent you're being with everything. Maybe if you do us a little separate check-in, I can have a proper little look at you and help you out. So Molly, you know what? I'm going to reply to this as well. Just do me a little check-in and we can help you. Emma, what are your thoughts on that? Exactly the same. Like, and I don't want uh, this to come across like, I mean, you're, you're not sticking to 1800 calories, but that isn't to say you're not trying to stick to 1800 calories or that you're secret eating or you're overeating. It's simply that it's very hard to track accurately. And there are huge like discrepancies, even in like the packaging on foods. And if you're eating out like restaurant meals, probably, you know, it's, even if it says the calories on it, they're allowed to be like over 20% inaccurate. Labels are allowed to be 20% inaccurate. You know that like portion sizes can creep up. So if you're someone who's been tracking for a while and you're kind of like, well, this is the same breakfast as yesterday. So I'll just duplicate it on my fitness pal. But actually now the portions are getting a little bit better, uh, bigger, like all these things can creep in and that's completely natural, completely normal. The reason that I'm saying that and like another way of doing this is just to lower your calories to 1600. Maybe realistically you end up eating closer to 1800 and that creates a deficit for you. But sometimes that lower calorie number in your head causes restriction because you expect oh, 1600 calories isn't very much even if realistically you're eating 1800 calories you still have this expectation of I'm going to be hungrier I'm going to struggle more on this than if your calorie number is higher so this is why it's quite hard for us when people say oh, I want to drop my calories because we know that realistically given your activity levels which as Chloe's saying aren't low and given your weight, which is the main determinant of your basal metabolic rate, which is a huge, like the, the key um, or the biggest uh, con contributor to your total daily energy expenditure, we know that 1800 calories would be a deficit in this situation. But like all the other caveats I've kind of just said, like it, it, yeah, that's, that's why it's hard as a coach to be like, I'm going to drop your calories, even though we know that a lot of the time, it, it would work if we drop your calories because you're simply going to eat less. We just don't want the psychological pressure of, oh my God, it's only 1600. That seems quite low to me because we know that expectations like, often create your reality and like assuming that you're going to be hungry will mean that you will be hungry or assuming that you're going to feel restricted will mean that you do feel restricted. So you could, yeah, if, if it's easier for you to eat a little bit less, fine. Another way to think about this is, okay, I'm just going to half all of my starchy carbs and add in more veg like yeah. worrying about the calories let's just look at your meals and be like okay instead of two pieces of bread I'm gonna have you know like if, if we're looking at Chloe's breakfast instead of two pieces of bread and scrambled egg I have one piece of bread and scrambled egg and a load of mushrooms mm. like something oh, yeah. adding in some veg or something because that's going to be lower calories than the, the than the bread but you don't feel like you're eating less because the food volume is still there that kind of stuff, like little swaps like that can can mean that you are cutting calories without actually focusing on cutting calories. And from yeah. a psychological perspective and from a satiation perspective, that is a, a much better approach to take normally. And also from enjoyment of food, because mushrooms, eggs and toast. <sighs> yeah. Yes, had some beans in the mix, but don't, because that takes away from what we're trying to get you to do. <laughs> and I'm with you, yeah, cover it in ketchup. 
I agree. I think ultimately, Molly, it, it, it sounds like you should actually be in a deficit, which means the problem something else, which would suggest it might might be behavior. It might be a completely innocent mistracking. Um, I had someone. I think it, at this stage, though, it probably is, right? She's been with us a while. Like you get into a routine. It's very easy to get like a little bit complacent with things. And actually, sometimes what you need is just like a bit of a reset. Like, okay, let's yeah. let pretend that we've set your calories fresh and you're starting again, track everything, monitor everything. You'll probably realize that little things have been creeping up. I'm a huge fan of a reset. Like, even with myself, well, I know how to fucking get in shape if I want to. And so many times I'll get three weeks into a plan and be like, okay, stop. This is not, <laughs> I'm not adhering. It's not working. Uh, sit down and fucking start from scratch. I do it with clients all the time. I'm a big, big fan of it. Um, so yeah, and Emma's right, Molly. You have been with us for a minute. It might be a bit stale. You really might need to do a proper check-in with us and get some proper, like, coaching and you're off. Okay, that was it. Okay. I guess- like the point of that is like it's not normally people think they need to change something but often it's just like revisiting what they're already doing because they've slightly like swayed away from the initial plan which is totally normal when you've been doing something for a period of time but often that reset comes from a change in calories because they're like oh right now I'm on 1600 or now I'm on 1700 naturally the 100 less calories a day probably doesn't make that much difference but the like reset click that's what makes the difference exactly psychological we always say it it's mostly psychological mm-hmm. um guys thank you for joining us I've, we're so sorry today was a bit of a shit show <laughs> but we got there in the <laughs> end we it. It yeah. yeah we did it in the end i actually quite liked it i liked it yeah it was quite enjoyable okay right love you bye <laughs>